Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join us today. We just wrapped up a great series on the book of Jonah to start the year, and it was really powerful and very meaningful for getting our attitudes right and understanding our relationship with God, and in some cases, serving people that we do not particularly care for, but honoring God in doing so. Thank you for joining me for that series. It was just a great experience. And if you missed it, you can go to my blog, loseyourself.life, and check it out for yourself in the podcast section. Today, we start a new series in the book of Philippians. Spoiler alert, this is one of my favorite books. It is so powerful and life-changing because it covers so many important themes to the gospel, to our life, and our purpose. Today's episode, we're mainly going to give some backgrounds before we jump into chapter one next week because this book is so rich in historical backgrounds in background of the Apostle Paul, and in so many different ways. But most importantly, obviously, we want to see what God is saying and how God is working in this book. So my first question is, what's better, joy or happiness? Uh, Some people think that that's the same thing. But today, we're going to talk about how that is not the case. I have a question for you. Why do rich and famous people almost inevitably end up in therapy? You would think that therapy would be for broken, downtrodden people to help them deal with life. Instead, we have impossibly beautiful, rich, popular people paying someone untold sums of money to help them cope with their life. I'm an avid biography watcher. I love the stories, but there tends to be the following template. Obscurity, discovery, success, indulgence, decline, destruction, and regret. How many people recognize the wheel of this misery? If you do, it's because this has been marketed to you since you were a child. This is the standard that the world holds up for us to aspire to. While you may agree with me, if we are honest, we still want it. This is one of the reasons I spent years and years working with emerging generations in youth ministry. They're still trying to figure out what they're going to do for a living, what their family's going to look like what their values are, a few false moves, and people can find themselves in a difficult path. I don't think I have to tell you the way that dysfunctional relationships, addictions, and bad influences can sideline good intentions and turn us into someone we don't want to be. The reason why churches spend a lot of time on the younger is because they have to be moved from the world of no to yes. For example, when you're a kid, the answer to every question is no, because it keeps you alive. No, don't stick that in that socket. No, get down from there. No, you don't drink that. This is how we start off with things. As you grow up, you eventually start getting more yeses as you prove yourself capable. As young people move from no to yes, sometimes they say yes to wrong things, destructive things. And if I'm being very honest, there's a lot of adults who are still saying yes to highly destructive things in search of happiness. And 
in many cases, those yes to those destructive things is the worldly standards that are, again, ingrained in our culture. Most of our misery comes from chasing happiness. And I want more than happiness for you, friend. I want joy. 81% of Americans prefer happiness to achievements, yet 33% of Americans say they're happy. Huh. Why? I'm going to tell you, friend, happiness is circumstantial and joy comes from God. Your relationship with God determines how you handle life's detours. Let me introduce you to someone. The Apostle Paul had the right lineage, education, talent, and zeal to be a religious leader of his day. His qualifications and character were without peer. If anyone could make the case for earning their salvation, it was him. Yet he became a champion for grace, acknowledging his impressive list of achievements and qualifications were inadequate to save him from his transgressions. The background of Philippians sees Paul in prison following his answer to the Macedonian cry in Acts chapter 16. From his cell, Paul will pin a letter of hope and joy that transcends his circumstances and emulates the character of Jesus Christ. We're going to dig into this passage and take a look at the Macedonian cry today and look at how the biblical background of this book He's writing from a jail cell. He is writing from difficult circumstances. Imagine awaiting trial, watching your hard work fall apart before your eyes to where you're having to write letters that you're worried about your friends, you're worried about the church, you're worried about your personal well-being. And in many cases, when you look at Paul's pedigree, he's a cautionary tale to his friends and family. Oh, that Paul, he used to be someone. Now he's a criminal. And so if he is defining his life based upon happiness, he's a failure. But as we see in this passage, Paul exhibits joy while chained to a prison guard. Friend, if he can exude joy while being chained to a prison guard, then can we not exude joy amid our circumstances? and setbacks and disappointments. Paul has come a long way to get to this point. We first see him in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, as he is present for the stoning of Stephen. Acts chapter 8 also states that he not only approves of that stoning, but he then ravages the church. Now, the word ravage is reminiscent of a wild animal tearing the flesh of another animal. Very, very aggressive. And in so doing, he drags people into the street and throws them in prison until such time as in Acts chapter 9, he comes face to face with Christ, is blinded, humbled, eventually converted, restored, and begins his preparation for ministry. This is the process that's going to turn him from Saul into the Apostle Paul. Acts 13 and 14, his first missionary journey is to Galatia, uh, not a city, but a region. It includes Antioch and Lystra. Uh, he visits the area in all three missionary journeys, and it is the site of great success, such as Antioch, and despair as he got was severely beaten in Lystra. And as he continues to move forward, he is heading to Asia, which is then forbidden 
and has to have a detour. Friend, has your life or ministry ever had a detour? Were you ever so sure that things were supposed to go a certain way and then they went in a different way and you had to adapt? How did we handle that? Were we disappointed? Were you burned? Or was this a situation where you trusted God and let him work and let him define success and in some cases were blessed by something that was unforeseen by you, but something you got to see through your obedience. Picking up in chapter 16, which by itself could be its own series, they are forbidden to go into Asia, and instead they're rerouted. Picking up in verse 9, During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, Cross over into Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul's response echoes Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. We as Christians like to be doers. So when we hear that passage, we hear the locations, the Jerusalem, which is close, and the Judea, which is like maybe national, and Samaria, which is even further, and then the ends of the earth. And we get excited about taking the gospel to exotic places and to different people groups, and it's exciting. But it is powerless without the first few words of that verse. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, is the most necessary and important part of that verse. For apart from that, we are powerless. The Holy Spirit makes those obstacles manageable. It can make the impossible possible. And in this case, Paul, despite his best strategy, despite his best efforts and his desire, yields to this vision and reroutes from Asia to the unknown areas of Macedonia. Friend, if we're doing things on our own power, in our own intellect, in our own skill, it's empty. But we, when we walk in the Spirit, when we work in the Spirit, when we let God guide our efforts, we see real fruit. Paul was able to do this because he understood the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy comes from God. Paul's detour, I'm sure, was disappointing. I'm sure it challenged him. But in this situation, he was faithful, and he entered into a needed missionary area. Next week, we're going to talk about that area, this very patriotic Roman context that is rich in history. And we're going to see how God uses an unlikely cast of characters to begin the Philippian church. Oh, friend, we have such great plans ahead in this study, and I hope you will continue to join us for that. Let me end you today on that joy concept. If Paul can praise God in chains, can we not deal with the struggles of our everyday life? He was already rerouted on this journey from a familiar territory to bringing the gospel to a new hostile continent. When our lives don't go exactly according to plan, we can be faithful in those circumstances. In this case, the result were the seeds of the European church. 
he likely never knew the results of his sacrifice, but this season of ministry was profoundly influential on the spread of the gospel. May we live our lives like it's not about us and trust God that he will use it. As we bring today to a close, I would be remiss not to say something very specific about the Apostle Paul. I alluded to this earlier. This man is everything from an outside perspective that anyone would aspire to be. He had the right education. He had the right family. He had the right pedigree. He had the right citizenship. He had the right status. He was intelligent. This is an impressive character. As we see in later chapters of this book, he did not define himself in those measures. I mentioned that he became a champion for grace. So friend out there today, if you are trying to earn your salvation, if you feel that good works or talent or intelligence or acts of service is going to get it done, that you're going to do more good than bad, and that God will then like you. Friend, please take it from, not me, take it from the Apostle Paul, that if he became a champion for grace, if he was so painfully aware of his lostness that all of his accomplishments he counted as nothing for the sake of Christ, friend out there today, if you want to know Christ, just reach out and receive that grace. You can't earn it. I would not be responsible if I neglected to say that as we studied this incredible apostle. Friend, today, I wish you joy. Not happiness, joy. The joy that only can come from God. And I hope that you will either consider a relationship with Him or grow deeper in your faith. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.